Good morning, everyone. My name's Teddy, and I'm an alcoholic. By God's grace, uh, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, and a magnificently patient sponsor. I've been sober since September 13, 1982, and so that is really very popular. So here I am, stuck. I mean, I ate a full breakfast. I mean, I ate everything. I haven't been eating lately. And I ate everything this morning. And I'm sitting between the two magnificent-looking men. And I'm just looking out for God going, Thank God, it's Sunday morning. I'm sober. And look at these two good-looking guys. And then guy said I couldn't sit there and that I'm coming up here. Thank you, God. Because men never kept me sober. <laughs> God's kept me sober. And all of you. And I'm really grateful to be here uh, with all of you. I mean, the young ones, the old ones, the new ones, the long timers. It's a pleasure to be in now. It's a pleasure to be anywhere at my age and sober. Um, I don't know. Um, I love alcoholics. Don't love alcoholics. I love them drinking and I love them sober. We are nuts. We are absolutely crazy. Drinking and sober. At least I am. And, uh, we're one group of people who know, I really believe this from the tip of my toe to the top of my head, is that we're one group of people who know for sure that life's supposed to be fun. You know, that life is supposed to be fun and I kept looking forward at the end of a bottle or a handful of pills. And uh, all I had to do was trash my life, drag my family's name through the dirt, drag my children along and, and my husband, and uh, throw, throw wonderful opportunities away, sit in God's eyes on wonderful gifts, and um, isolate myself from everyone and experience absolute care, loneliness, and uh, frustration. And come here and find out this is it. This, this is where we get to go. I've been thirsty for a long time. Um, long time. Long before I took my first drink, I've been thirsty. <laughs> and I didn't know that I was looking for. So I uh, filled it up with alcohol and a whole lot of other stuff. Um, I'm not in, my, my family's not alcoholic family. They're just kind of like everyday normal people. Um, I was the only dysfunction in that family. I found with my family when I did my inventory is that I never wanted to be a fellow among fellows. I, I didn't want to be one of four. I didn't want to be one of a family. I wanted to, I kept coming up when I do my family members is I wanted all the attention, approval, and acknowledgement. I wanted to be the only child. I can even remember thinking, I must have been in about fifth grade thinking if they all died on that airplane, I'd have it all. And it's like, what the hell would I do with it? <laughs> you know, I'm like, what, 10 years old? Where, what would I do? I mean, who'd take care of me? I thought, I thought I knew everything and I could do everything. And um, it just never occurred to me, even with all that Catholic religion and all that uh stuff that we every day for 12 years, first stuff, um, it never occurred, I knew there was a God, but it never occurred to me that he would be personal to me, that he was going to work with me personally. I mean, I, I could see the, the things in your life, 
but it, it just, I never had a relationship with him personally. And uh, I grew up with five other girls in the neighborhood. We went to grade school, high school, college, we were in each other's weddings, our kids grew up together, and not one of them knew me. They didn't know me all those years together. And um, how do I know they didn't know me? Is because when I came here, you guys knew me. You guys who were reading the book knew me. You knew what I was going to do long before I did it. You knew what I had done without even asking. And um, and even care. The crazy thing about Alcoholics Anonymous is that the worse you are, the more they love you. You know, everything here is backwards from the way it was out there. Because out there, it's like the better job you've got, and I taste those, the better education you've got, and I taste those, the better man, the better house, you know. I suffered from uh, thinking, li- uh, well, I thought of God in, in Sparsity, that, that he, this is my attitude on life, is that if there was this amount of stuff, everything was limited, and you got the new job, or you got the new husband, or you got the new uh, whatever, car or house, that, that meant I didn't get, you know? And and that if, if you had something that I wanted, that meant there wasn't enough for me. And I thought in sparsity, and when I've come here to AA, I find out that we think in abundance, in, in extremes. In, uh, infinite, infinite, I can say it. Say it. Infinity. That, that, uh, everything is so much that there's enough for everyone. But I thought, and it made me very uncomfortable with people. I didn't like people because they were getting what I wanted. And I wasn't getting it as far as I was concerned. And I can remember the first time my sponsor presented the principle to me that, uh, that God is abundant. And there's going to be plenty for everybody. And she said, well, why don't you just turn it around in your head that they got a new job? And it's like, that's a promise for you. And it's like, what? I, I don't know. If I, if I wouldn't, instead of being jealous, why don't you be happy for them? And it's like, what? And why would I do that? That's <laughs> not what I wanted. But, you know, over time, she kept repeating that, and I, and I began to understand the principle. But what happened to me is, um, uh, God was speaking to me. I, uh, I started, I started to, after I said, Smith first, and, uh, just on weekends, <laughs> just to show off a few brain cells here and there, and, um, and I wanted to hang out with the big boys. They were doing that. And, uh, and so I, you know, hung with a couple of us. We just did it on weekends, but I found I like it. I like it, not a man. You know, I really had a nice, close-knit family, but the older you get, the bigger the circle gets, and the more afraid I got. And then the more things I started looking for to fix me, so I wouldn't be afraid. So I wouldn't be frightened of life. And blue was the first thing, and then I got caught. My sister, my oldest sister, always kept track of what I did. Told on me every chance to God. Thank God, probably saved my life. And uh, uh, so then the then the next whatever is uh, oh I remember my I was 16 years old, and uh, my girlfriend asked me to spend the night, and uh, we both stole the money, and we got someone to buy us each a bottle. 
and uh, we sold the car. I didn't realize it was called stealing. I was doing a jail meeting at six years sober, and there were some girls in jail who appropriated a car without permission. And I thought, they said, that's stealing. And I thought, well, I did that. That, you know, what do you mean that's stealing? I, we did that all the time. We would crawl into a mom's bedroom, find her mom's purse hidden somewhere, snatch the keys out and crawl down the hallway again. And in the meanwhile, I'm pushing the car out of the garage, down the hill. If her mom had a dreadful feeling, if her mom would have caught us, we'd have been, we'd have been done. And we did that, and it was snowing where I'm from. There's a lot of snow on the ground, and we started the car a couple of doors down, and we uh, threw our bottles in the back, and we were going to where the boys were. Now, boys and boys, that's what I like. I like the excitement. I thought I liked the boys, but what I liked is what they had, you know, the stuff. All that, well, I didn't mean that stuff, but I had... I probably did too, but I never didn't get to it that often. But I like that the stuff, the stuff that's the kid. Well, that's the kid. Yeah. Hard to be straight back here with these goofballs. <laughs> the police stopped us that night because we got caught in breaking snowdrifts trying to get through the park, and they stopped us, and they said, uh, we want IDs, and uh, he got my ID, and he looked at me, and he said, are you Rudy's daughter? Now, my dad was a city official in the town I grew up in, and, and I said, yes, and please don't tell my daddy. And um, what happened was, he said, where, where are you going? And I'm a block away from where, where I lived, and I said, He's taking me home. Go straight home and then get straight home yourself. So we went right by my mom's house, my parents' house, and we went right to where the boys were. And we, I, I found out a lot about myself that night. I don't care well. I drank all my booze myself. Uh, I still don't care well. I have a lot of difficulties sharing even today. But I'm learning about it. Uh, I drank it all. I, um, I blacked out. I got I had to clean it up in the morning, and uh, you know, you know, it just didn't make me. You know, I just felt a part. When I drank alcohol, I drank to the effect. I felt to the end of my fingers, even my stomach. I just felt a part of. Uh, you didn't bother me. I felt enough. There wasn't anything I thought I couldn't, you know, I just felt enough. Because I've felt my whole life not enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not, uh, blonde enough. I, I had this knocked down killer dead older sister who was gorgeous. Absolutely. Killer, even at her age. Gorgeous. I mean, just killer, gorgeous. Little petite, black hair, black, gorgeous. And here I come, you know, blonde and big and whatever. And, uh, compared to her, I'm, I'm a monster. And, um, and I always thought that I, she has what I want. She, she knows that I, I can never live up to her. And what I found out here is that I just have to be me. 
I just have to live up to what God wants of me. That uh, uh, being almost like he's calling, just being me is what God wants. He made me that way. What happened was um, every chance we got, you know, I started out the moderate drinker, drinking only on weekends, got to be the, in free college, the heavy drinker, as they described it, and it's like, um, only because I was a moderate drinker, only because I couldn't get this stuff, you know, more than whenever we could get it. And, and a heavy drinker only because that's, you know, it got to be a habit. It, got to, it was fun, and it got to be a habit, and then it got to be a necessity. And from time to time, I, you know how you kind of wake up, and you can say, oh, wait a minute, I'm waking up in places I don't want to be, with people I wouldn't normally be with, staying and doing stuff, that wasn't the way I was raised. And it's like, you know, I just kept doing things that wasn't the way I was raised. And what happened to me was, um, I'd wake up from time to time and I'd say, that, you know, you need to do that. You need to pull your and so uh, get through college and get this done. And I have this peculiar way of thinking that's all twisted and that if, if nobody knows, nobody, can, nobody knows it, uh, it didn't happen, it's no problem. It didn't happen. It just didn't happen. And my mind, so I kept like getting into trouble in college and I figured, Nobody knows. Not a problem. It didn't, or nobody. And then I kept going to groups that nobody would know what I had done in that last group, and then nobody would know, and then nobody would know until you run out of people. And then I went home from college and thought, well, I'm going to pull myself together and get married. And I married my childhood sweetheart, God love him. He didn't have a clue. He did not have a clue what he was getting into. He married me. He didn't know that he was marrying alcoholics. He didn't know. And I put that poor man through hell for the next 18 years. And, uh, God love him. He just, you know, he kept thinking, well, if I get a better job and buy a new house, and that was just whatever going on. And you know, that stuff is all really very nice, but it doesn't fix alcoholism. And the more money we made, the more great. And then they, they gave me wonderful opportunities to drink at better places. <laughs> and so I spread my alcoholism around. And, and we had three beautiful children. And I had wonderful jobs. And uh, I don't know. But that stuff doesn't, it doesn't cause alcoholism and it doesn't fix alcoholism. Um, what happened to me was, um, I don't know, at 26 years old, my alcoholism took me to uh, places I didn't want to go to. People I wouldn't want to go to. Twenty-six years old, and my alcoholism took me to the end of a razor, and I got slashed in the face twelve times. Like, God, this after that, we've made jokes of it. I have made jokes of it for years after that. But what it really did was it gave me the opportunity to have an unlimited supply of drugs. You know, I had one more client. I had one more story. An unlimited, when you inhale on unlimited, just imagine. Unlimited supply of drugs. Just, and for an alcoholic like me, unlimited is not enough. 
And you know how you hide it all? You gotta hide in here, and you gotta tape it to the bottom of the drawer, and then you gotta put it in the back in the cupboard here, and you gotta hide it high from those kids, and you gotta put it low where they ain't gonna look. And, and I remember when we were cleaning out my house when I was moving there uh, after, uh, after I was sober a few years, uh, we found them, and you remember those old goose bags, you know, the rubber deal? You can fit a lot of vials in those old goose bags. Yeah, you can get a whole lot of shit in there. Yeah, I mean, I just, I was afraid I was going to run out, you know? And I never wanted to run out. It was, alcohol wasn't enough. I had to enhance this and, and, you know, add something to it. And, uh, I did, I did a lot of that, but, um, alcohol's my, my drug of choice. It worked for me. It was plenty of years for me. And, uh, it just stopped working. Bottom line was it just stopped working. Um, I needed more. And, uh, what I started doing, they started taking bad. And, uh, and I got caught. And, uh, I thought Dr. O was a good name. <laughs> Write that one out. Scribble it out. Uh, I was in the medical field at the time. I'm not in that, that medical field anymore. <laughs> and I got caught. And I remember them telling my dad in the room, uh, and I and I, I have this problem of hearing. I don't hear what people say. I only hear what I think they say. And what I thought he said was, he's not normal. And um, I asked him years later, and he said, that's not what I said. And But... But that's what I heard, and the truth is, I'm not normal. I am not normal. I am not like my brothers and sisters. They have a glass of wine, and they say, ooh, that makes me single. I can't say this. And it's like, come on, get on through it. Keep drinking. You can do this. And it gets better. But they can't do this. They just, they're wimps. They just can't do They can't drink on through that. Ooh, kill the wine. Uh, I had hope for my younger brother. I was about six years sober, and my dad died, and my brother came in, and he said, I need it. And I thought, ooh, something's going to sit there. He's gone. Let's see what happens here. He gets out this big bottle of wine, and he puts it next to his chair, and he gets this little tiny glass. Yeah, this little tiny wine glass. And he gets one glass. And that was it. You know, that was... That's how they are. They're very normal. They have, he has the same job he's ever had. He's married to a wonderful single, wonderful lady, has house. I mean, that's not me. It's a, I like the life, the hammer on the end. Where is it? I'm addicted to the excitement, but I said it out. Part, my, my nickname was Potay Potay. You know, let's not get it. Ah. And um, I didn't like this uh, one glass, you know. It, it's never my deal. What happened to me was after the, my mom called it the incident. Blows over. We moved down to Cincinnati. He got an opportunity to get a job down here. We moved down here. And I didn't know it was the beginning of the end for me. I couldn't get the drugs to the style I was accustomed in. And I just had to drink more. I just had to wail it away. Um, I was unemployable. What happened that summer before I got sober is I got disowned by my family. 
I'm from a really tight-knit Italian family, and you know how blood it is thicker than water, no matter what. You stand by your blood, no matter what they do, you stand by your blood. And my mom said, get out. <laughs> I'm done with you. I've had enough of you. I'm not going through this again. Get out and get psychiatric help. And she's screaming at me as I'm pulling out the driveway. And I had, I had dragged her through the dirt. I used to go to my mom's for breakfast Sunday morning. And I said, don't eat breakfast, kids. We're going to grandma's for breakfast right after church. And they said, can we eat something? So are you sure we're going to eat breakfast? And I said, yeah, we're going to grandma's for breakfast. Can't we have some bowl? They have their little bowls of cereal standing there looking, oh, we're eating at grandma's. And this is what happens on Sunday morning at grandma's. Uh, grandma would be mean to me. She'd say things like, have you come to here? What? What's that smell? Oh, are you drinking this early in the morning? I say it's a medicine for God's sake. With something in it, I'd be clicking around in my dad's bar. Uh, they didn't drink, but they had this bar. And someone's got, I mean, you got to rotate those bottles. It's not good to let them sit like that. I had to rotate it. And, and then when, once she'd say something to me, you know, by, by 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I need a drink. I grabbed those kids and I said, we're leaving. With her fork in her hands, we're leaving. We haven't eaten breakfast yet. Grandma's not got it. We're leaving. Why are we, Grandma's mean. We're out of here. And they'd be dragging their forks out the door so they never get breakfast. And that was in my mom told this story at 20 years sober. We were at a dinner house having a gathering and, uh, my mom came down. My mom came down. And um, she's telling her story. She's like, he's standing at the window, doing dishes, getting the stuff on the table, and I see her, and I say, see, that looks like Caddy's car going by. <laughs> and it would be. It'd be me and the kids in the car. We're out of here. Grandma's me. And she had had enough of me. She, her, her, uh, you know, to, to uh, be disowned, you're out of the will, was the last word she said to me. And to be out of the will in a Italian family, if you have to try to get tell your mother to get thrown out of the will. And that's what I was doing. She was watching me die, and it was killing me. So I, um, the neighbor, what happened to me was uh, we got this nice little neighborhood, and the neighbor girl up the, up the street got sober, and her sister got sober. And I see them pulling in out of the driveway, and they're laughing, and they're throwing stuff, and they're goofing off, and it's like, what's wrong with them? You know, what, what are they doing? And uh, she was the scout leader for one of my boys, and um, and she said that's why she had to drink, because she had the boys. <laughs> no wonder that's why I had to drink. They were something else. Um, and she got sober. She, she, you know, in that line in the book, how valuable that book, Alcoholics Anonymous, is. Because when Bill describes Eddie coming into his house and uh, looking healthy, and I, there was something about her heart. I mean, she was just all lit up. She started talking about alcohol. I come now, alcoholic tonight, and how I like it. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's what she is. We both, we were doing this exercise thing at the time. And, uh, and then, uh, and then she introduced me to her sister, and, and she was the same thing. I mean, she was like, how cool. Lit up. I mean, just. That, that, that light light, you know that 
And they started talking to me about AA, and it was some Thanksgiving to March. They got me uh, going to a meeting in March, and I went once a month till August, and I um, didn't read the book. Didn't have a sponsor. Yeah, it still had some volume. <laughs> I did do that. <laughs> Wasn't drinking, but I still had to find some volume. And um, what happened, so many promises. There's, four, there's 247 promises in the book. And, uh, and, and, yeah, good things that will happen. But there's also some promises that if you don't do this stuff, what will happen. And what happened was, um, this what it said, is that I drank again. August 10th, I drank. No different than any other drink. Uh, I, uh, fell down, uh, threw up, uh, insulted my husband. We had 200 clients on a boat. Uh, his nearest and dearest friends, and I made my round of being cute and charming. And what I am is critical and insulting and uh, that just fell off the boat. No big deal there. Um, no, but no, nothing different there. Uh, he was, he was furious, wasn't speaking to me, and it's like, thank God, I like it when they're not talking to me. And, uh, the kids were scared of me because, uh, they, they had had enough, my drunken episodes at the soccer team. You know, I'm an, I'm a participant mother as I'm <laughs> running up and down the field with my drink, screaming at them to do whatever. And, uh, God, embarrassed. You know, some of you remember, oh, but that was me. And, um, Nothing different there. Next morning, no big deal. The only thing different about that drunk than any other drunk is that I, I couldn't stop. I, I couldn't stop. And I promised I stopped. I pulled the bees out so I stopped. I uh, prayed that, and then I went up to Mount Washington Music Store. <laughs> Or booze. I, I couldn't stop. I couldn't, I don't know if it's two days or ten days, but I remember my birthday was the end of August and I, and I, and I couldn't stop. And one of those teachers called me and she said, uh, what are you doing? And, and I was in the closet praying. And then, uh, she said, get up, get dressed. And this a new meeting on And that's where I'm in the room. Eddie was right behind me, uh, a year or something behind me, and I was still doing something. You know, it's like, Eddie, Eddie, who? It's just, I just, I have two packs, and you guys read me the book, and I just, and, it, and somewhere around, uh, yeah, if it was in September, I couldn't see him and he was searching me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to die. I didn't want to drink. I remember that talk going through your mind. It said drinking done worse for me. And not drinking without a solution done worse for me. And I know. And the real first I went through my mind is why don't you not drink and do what they do? And, and I, I, mean, I asked Dr. Hubbard, 
I mean, I'm so out of the book. I keep telling her I need me some special, like I do this, I whatever, whatever. And it's like, read that book. I am so out of the book. Every, every page is always me. And, uh, they, she handed me the book. She said, read this book and do what it says. And do what it says. <laughs> and do, let me repeat this one more time. And do what it says. <laughs> Not just read it, but read it and do what it says. And I got in the first seven pages. I said, what do I have to do? And they said, how do I do this? And the first seven pages forward. She said, you go pick up this new girl and you bring it to a meeting. And then you go to detox and you pick up this girl. And it's just seven days in sober. I'm picking up new girls. I had my license here. <laughs> and, and and I was scared to death to walk in a meeting alone. And, and if I had someone with me, I could go. Pick up and I said, take. And I said, what do I do now? And they said, you take this one back to detox and you take this one, <laughs> take this one to the psych ward. I don't know if she's going to make it. And it's like, Jesus, I believe them belonged in the psych ward at that time. And she said things like, okay, now, now come with us to the institute. The first time I ever talked, I was talking to psych ward. And it's like saying, I belonged there. I needed to be there. And they said, you need an institution meeting. And and I went and uh, I tried to steal my sponsor's institution meeting. <laughs> I'm so out, thank God that girl has been so, I mean, I've kept her single-handedly, kept her sober with my auntie <laughs> for the last over 22 years. And uh, I tried to steal hers because God knew I only, I was a liar, a cheat, and a con. I'm a thief. And those, those were the good qualities I had when I came in here. <laughs> And God used those stuff. I tried to steal it and uh, from her, and she found out how valuable that institution was to her because it was keeping her sober. And so I had to go steal it from someone else who wasn't quite as <laughs> quite as quick about it. And I stole it from him. And I had a psych ward meeting on Thursday night. The first five years I was sober, and it's like. It's not because I was taken away there, which I thought I was. Because I, I needed them. I needed them. So I said, I needed, because you know, at, at the, at the site order, you have got to read the book. Because you don't want to give them bad, you don't want to look like a bad AA. <laughs> you don't want to screw up in AA, for God's sake. My whole life was all screwed up. But you don't want to screw up here, so I had to read the book, and then I had to talk to my sponsor about what that, what what it means, because of course I didn't understand straight English. And uh, I got the, the blues up the gazoo, but I couldn't understand straight English. And, and, uh, and, then, and then you had to be there every Thursday night. And and then and then Janet started coming with me and then my other new girl started coming with me and then and then there'd be more of us going down to the institution and then there was Colleen and her girls would come. Then there were people in the side court. And uh and, and but they'd let us out at the end of the meeting, they'd let me come home. And I got to experience unconditional love from them. It wasn't because I was bringing them away. I got to dump my stuff every night and or every Thursday night and I got to talk to them about, you know, what age to commit. And uh, sometimes it was I, I could drive my you know, and then she had me like write a gratitude. Book. 
I got a place to live. I got a job. And when we got to that page about doing the inventory, she just had me, you read that page, you did that inventory. There was no discussion about it. You just open and it says right down and it's like that. If this was our course, and she explained to me those are directions. Don't you love that part right before there, though? She had to explain to me where it talks about the alcoholic, uh, and, and then he's trying to run the whole show, and that she made me take my, her, that kid, and the alcoholic, and himself, and all that out, and then he scratched those off, and put my name in. And when you read it, isn't that even more, you know? All right, then I do. Isn't that even more than that? Isn't that a kind embrace of God? And when I put my name in there, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm always kind and great. The next one, even more demanding. And it had my name in it. And then she had me, like, read it over and over and over again. And, and it's like, I began to understand that book's about me. That book is about me. It's not them. It's not him. It's about me. And uh, once that hit, it was like, okay, let's, let's, I kept thinking we're going to be done. Let's get through this. Why don't, let's do, I was in a hurry. Let's do the next thing. Let's do that. And then we, let's get to the last page and we'll be done. It's after 21 years. We're not done yet. Guy's <laughs> not done yet. He's got more to do. I thank God for the opportunity to make amends. Thank God. That I got to make amends. That I got to make amends to my mom who I hated. Who I blamed for everything. Who I thought did it raise me right. She was a pain. She had she, she was everything I just blamed. But my mom, when I got sober, I made amends to her. And she said, you're a bitch then. You're a bitch now. And you'll always do it. And, and I said, you know, she's right. <laughs> I was a bitch then. I might be a bit, but under this book of alcoholics, I don't know. I don't know. Since this for three years, thank God. If I had gotten back in the world, I would say, Papa, I <laughs> Thanks for the information. I'm on my way out of here. What happened was, um, I tried to get back in the world. <laughs> Because that's, that's what I was driven about in the beginning. More money, more power. And it didn't work. And somewhere around, uh, a little bit before three years sober, my sponsor had someone, Dave Roy, talk about it, had me start sending her cards. And then he, and my sponsor started having me call me once a week. And I said, I'm, you know, I, I'm going, what have I got? Uh, uh, she won't talk to me. And she said, we don't care. And I said, well, I don't feel like it. We don't feel We don't feel like I don't believe that's going to work. We don't feel We don't care if it's going to work. We just do it anyway. So I started calling her. And my mom goes to bed at 10 o'clock. Don't keep her up a minute later. And if she's not at home at 10 o'clock, ooh, watch out. She goes to bed at 10 o'clock. So at 5 minutes to 10 on Sunday night, I start calling my mom. <laughs> I can talk to her for five minutes. I can listen to her for five minutes. And I can call my mom five minutes to ten on Sunday night. And somewhere around four years ago, I call my mom. And my dad was just walking through the kitchen for four hours. And my dad was walking through the kitchen. And my dad said, I could hear him say as he walked through, he said, girl, girl. He 
It's midnight and it's still on the phone. My mom and I have gone through many, many, many things. What happened is we went from, she said, let me come home. And I, I drive up there and I said, I go to my meeting and she said, oh, for God's sake, I go to my and for God's sake, don't go around home. And for God's sake, don't say your name in the house. Don't tell them who you are. Don't, don't tell them your daddy's daughter. For God's sake. And, uh, and I, I go to my own meeting. And, and after a few years, uh, she said, you're interrupting dinner, which is the beginning. And then after a few years, she said, well, what time is your meeting? What time is your meeting? You can find dinner around you because you're still interrupting our lives. And, uh, and I tell her what meeting or where, where, where do you want me to go? I mean, what, you know, what time do you want to have? And I'll get out of the way. And, uh, and then it got to be, uh, uh, you're married enough. Years later, you're married enough. And I said, yeah, yeah, you want to go with me? You want to go with me? He said, well, you're all that bad. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they'd smell and, and be all freaked to the head and you guys pretty help nice when you're in the name. And uh and then after a while, um um I was about fifteen years sober and I got to come home. My father kept saying you'd be more to your mom and so I started booking times where I'd go and I'd say, I can't spend more than four hours with my mom. Because I, I can make you nuts. You, you know how I'm thinking that. <laughs> well, at least you made me nuts in the beginning. And, uh, she said, well, go and do something. Make a trip just to do something for me. Okay, I'll drive up Friday night. I'll, I'll work for for four hours. And I'll drive up Saturday afternoon. I'll drive up four hours. Work four hours. Drive home four hours. And I'll drive back up. And I'll drive back up. Your mom's nice. She's putting more things on her lips. And, uh, so I drive up for hours, stay sick now. And then I started spending the whole weekend with my mom. And I started, instead of just weekend the month, I, I, I was just two weekends a year. And, uh, instead of one weekend a year, I do two. And then it got to be spending the whole, I, I go up to my mom and I spend a weekend for two weeks with my mom. One in the beginning of the, of the spring and one in the fall. And I, I do whatever she wants, you know. And she says the time when we use cloths and cleaning off that roof, sweeping the roof down. They have all that stuff in the roof, and, uh, and I'm up there standing and I'm saying, God, you're getting awful old. <laughs> 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 you ain't, you ain't, you aren't as limber as you used to be getting up on the roof, and gee, I don't think that old way is going to hold you anymore. And it's like, I didn't want to, I said, I'm just going down the roof. So I'm up on the roof, and, um, beautiful day, and I look and I felt oh, the And I'm thinking, I don't want to be up here. I don't think I'm doing this. And uh, I smelled the cigar. I said, wait. I turned around and looked all around. There wasn't anybody there. And anybody smelled it. And they smelled the cigar. And then my daddy was like, I said, I'm going to do the money. And I never have that kind of. I don't, I'm not like, you know, you're there, 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 you're there,